Welcome to the Pineapple Couch. Today is uh, Monday, August 10th, episode 35. I am B-Rob, as always, and today we have a very, very special show for you folks. We got, for the first time on the pod, a great friend of mine, Stephen Young. Stephen, how you doing? Doing great. Great to be on the Pineapple Couch. Oh, it's, it's a, the pleasure is all mine, Stephen. And we also got <laughs> NBA insider, John Robbins. John? What's up? Not much, just doing a podcast. Um, Andrew, how are you? We got big, big dog here as well, folks. Doing great, B Rob. It's good to see you, Steve. It's been a long time. It's been a, it's my a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reunion, folks. In this episode, um, we're going to be talking about a little bit about the college football hashtag we want to play thing that's going on. We're going to be talking about the NBA. The playoffs are right around the corner, and we're going to be talking about the MLB because it was really just. The MLB is, there's just like 12 games a day. I was looking at a schedule the other day for like, it was, I think the Giants like next two months. And it was like, wow, they have four days off. (laughs) (laughs) There's like double headers in there. So we're going to talk some MLB and then stay tuned for the end of the episode. We're going to be talking with my dad, or I'm going to be talking with my dad about the battle of Midway, that battle, and then the movie that goes with it. So you're not going to want to miss that, but let's get right into it. We're going to start with the college football movement so as most of you guys know this weekend there seemed to be overwhelming like just increasing pressure like it they're gonna fucking take it away from us there's not gonna be college football first we get the heartbreaking news that we're getting no maction i am upset the maction is the best part of saturday night that and, and then Tuesday night. It's like there's the beauty about college football is this it hits this like three to four week stretch where it's like Monday, literally every day of the week for the most part, besides Sundays, there's college football. And I don't give a fuck if it's like Western Michigan versus whoever. Like I Toledo. enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Maction canceled. The Ivy League announces that they're not going to do sports. It's like, does it do any of us give a fuck? No. Um, and then uh, UConn announces that they're not going to play football. Do any of us give a fuck? No. no. But things started to get star- scary, gentlemen. The Pac-12, and it seems like the Pac-12 is kind of like the Big Ten's bitch, and they're going to do whatever the Big Ten does. So the Big Ten rumors are just going round and round like they're not going to play. Like this is going to get canceled. And so what you have, it's kind of like a battle. You have two sides that begin to form in the college football universe. You have basically one side where it's the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is kind of just going to do whatever they're, the Big Ten's going to do. They're kind of just like the – I don't like them. I'll just say like that. I don't like their ideas. And the other side you have forming is the SEC with the ACC and I believe the Big 12, some teams in the Big 12. And so it's kind of a standoff right now between the SEC and the and the um, Big Ten. But what we saw happen is is all this momentum towards canceling the season, the Big Ten, the hashtag we want to play movement comes out. And Andrew, you have uh, Trevor Lawrence's tweets out. And again, this is Trevor Lawrence, the, probably the Heisman. If we had to like the safest probably bet like the for Heisman, face of yeah. college football, if there's a guy right now, yeah, he's always on the fake versions of the NCAA games that they tease me with. <laughs> so he said 22 hours ago, he had a little Twitter thread. He said, "People are just as much, if not more, at risk if we don't play. Players will all be sent to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely, and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID." The next message says, "Not to mention the." players coming from situations that are not good for them their future and having to go back to that football is a safe haven for so many people 
We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. True. Having a season also insensitizes players being safe, taking all the right precautions to avoid contracting COVID because the season slash teammates safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks and take the proper precautions. What do you guys think? Drop your mic, King Trevor Lawrence. I agree. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, players should have the voice. I think NCAA takes that away from all college athletes. So seeing Trevor Lawrence voice his opinion is going to really open the door for all college athletes. Mm-hmm. And it had to be him, if you think you about it. Do you see, like, um, players are wanting to transfer to the SEC, like the Big Ten? So is that even possible? I mean, this is literally like my nightmare because, like, what have we been complaining about? Or I've been complaining like the last 10 years. God damn, the Pac 12. Like, whenever they get there, they just get there fucking ass kicked and it's just like you're there gonna eat they, they never make it because they always end up just losing to like arizona state like oregon or something like that but this is the west coast football fans worst nightmare because this is gonna have a, a long-lasting effect what happens here if the pac-12 doesn't play and the sec does you know how much better the sec is con- gonna continue to get than like right recruiting yeah it's I mean, gonna why would you it. why would you want to go there the following year to be like i don't know these guys might not play next year and then it's like well and you have high SEC. school guys, like they're transferring to other states so they can play high school football. Oh, really? That's yeah. happening a USC's lot? USC's yeah. quarterback, I think, is playing football in Georgia, but he's still saying he's going to USC. So we'll see. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the biggest point from that, like not to get like all like, I'm not a doctor. I don't usually try to talk about that shit on this show, but it's just like the idea that the players are safer on campus than they are at home is just so obvious to me with the access they'll have to medical care and testing. Like the average person isn't just have like coronavirus tests like on deck, you know, that's not something that's like you can go do it, but it's not easy, especially in low income areas where it's not as nice, especially in those areas. And so the idea that they would be more safe back at home as opposed to at basically like, what like some of the college facilities are like olympic like yeah. professional facilities yeah. where they have world-class doctors like well, am i missing anything with that i no. mean the rams stayed at the coliseum and it's not the nicest because they're yeah, it's like the worst like, one and that's pretty good and it's, it's a college school <laughs> yeah um it's it just sucks because um i saw this i'll bring this up because trevor lawrence liked or retweeted um he also tweeted, like, let's work together to create a situation where we can play the game that all of us love, not divide and argue. There is a way forward. And he kind of, Trevor Lawrence with his other tweet, kind of like subtweets the college football media. This is really weird to me, and I, I bet you guys think the same. Is like, so all of this is going on, right? And a lot of people can't go to work and sort of stuff. And then you have the people who are on, like, ESPN and these shows who can get paid for their stuff because they can sit in their living room and they're saying, oh, these people shouldn't go do what they do. I just find it so hypocritical. It's just weird. It's just like... I haven't even thought about that. That's a good point. Like, I don't know. And I I just want college football. I, mean, I want it we'll so have bad. We'll no fans. We'll do bubble. So we'll do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. I want the best top five recruits. I want Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. I want Dude, five like, super imagine, teams like, in the super Yeah, conference. what if they did like... So, like, let's say the Pac-12 just bows out and like 
Like, I hope some it's teams in the Big Twelve. The 12 best but it's like, let's, what if it's lives. just like a lotus, like the one conference? There's like thirty teams in or something, and it has like the SEC, like Clemson and the other big ACC schools, and then you throw in like Texas, maybe um, like Oklahoma, stuff like that, Baylor. That would be lit. Um, but it's all up in the air, and I'm we're recording this on Monday and I'm sure actually I don't have faith in any of them figuring yeah, it out, they, they, but they who knows, who knows when second. they're going to fucking figure this out. But I just really want some college football. Um, and I do think that, that what we were talking about the recruiting and that, that if the PAC 12 does not play, if you thought there was a big gap in skill and size and strength before, just wait. Um, Oh, one last thing I heard today about this that I wanted to say. So my boy, my guy, Brandon Walker, Barstool, he said that um, if college football doesn't play, the NFL is going to grab Saturday nights and never look back. And I thought about that, and I was like, that's 100% true. Because once they see the ad, like the revenue they can make from the advertising on a Saturday night game. Especially like week 16 and 17, I do love some Saturday night NFL football. See, the, the message the that we're trying to send to the, on this podcast, people, is we love football and we want it. Please, Give God. Give us our maction. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't get to watch game, a 67 to 63 game. Toledo Eastern Michigan game at 945 at night on a Tuesday. <laughs> I will lose my What's the point? Those are the best. What's the point? Okay. Um, so, yeah. We, hashtag we want to play. Um, the Pineapple Couch wants to play. Let's get into the NBA. Um, The big story from the weekend is the Dame-Paul George beef. Um, So the Clippers are playing the Blazers. The Clippers don't really have as much to play for, obviously, like the Blazers. Dame, uncharacteristically down the stretch, misses two straight free throws. Clippers talk some shit. Patrick Beverly's not even playing, and he's just trolling from the sideline. I don't like Patrick Beverly, but I kind of thought that was just fucking hilarious. He's just such a troll. And then um, the after the game, a beef breaks out on social media, classic NBA. Um, and Johnny, you have the details on that, don't you? Yeah, I do. Okay, so after the game, Damian Lillard had an interview, and he basically said um, – that he owns Paul George and just said, um, I sent him Facts. home I sent him home last year and I'll do it again, something along those yeah, lines. Said, I've already sent Patrick Beverly Oh yeah, on the Houston, yeah. Because he hit that buzzer beater arm and I did it to Paul George last year, which I mean, you he really did? shouldn't come at Dame Lillard. No, but keep going. Keep okay. Going. And then so that led out to some social media uh beef and Paul George commented and you getting sent home this year, respect. And then Patrick Beverly also commented one, two, three, Cancun. And Damian Lillard res- responded. <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean Damian Lillard's gonna go like on vacation? Like, I is think that- he's going to Cancun. <laughs> so that's our best on three Bev. Okay, okay. So then, um, Damian Lillard said, "At YG Trace, keep switching teams, running from the grind. You boys is chumps. Savage kill that's from so Damian true. Lillard. Dude, think about it." Paul George was on the same team with Russell Westbrook, and they didn't win a fucking playoff series. No, they lost to rookie Donovan Mitchell. Think about that. Let that sink in. They lost to a rookie Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. The, what the fuck? The Thunder got better when they got rid of Paul George and, and Westbrook. No, yeah, they did. 100%. And yeah. <laughs> All they needed was Chris Paul. What's hilarious with the Thunder to me is um, 
So Billy Donovan, his college coaching career, he was a fucking beast. He just like he had those great Florida teams. He broke my heart with the UCLA when they beat them. Um, and then he comes into the NBA, right? And his first like what? It's probably like three or four seasons he's been there when he's had Westbrook, probably right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my god, Billy Donovan's an idiot. Like, what is this shit? Like, what happened? Was Billy Donovan overrated? Blah 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 blah. blah. This season comes around. Russell Westbrook leads the team. Oh, the Thunder are so good offensively. What great coaching. He's like, well, obviously he's still a good coach. Like, I feel like if you're a coach, Russell Westbrook is like, he, you can't put him in a system. So would you guys rather have Russell Westbrook or Paul George? Paul George. Paul George. Because wow. he can fit everywhere, though. Russell Westbrook will, like, go out of his way, even if he's surrounded by good players, to, like, kind of lose you games. Whereas Paul George, if you have other... Yeah. If, like, if, if, like... Paul George is like on like, just like he's the second fiddle or third. Like he's not like as destructive. Like Westbrook can literally like like Durant. He had Durant and he just fucked that up. Let's be real. Like the, the Thunder team, their failures were all on Russell Westbrook when the Durant was there. Um, any oh Johnny, didn't you say um, Paul oh, George's yeah. uh, wife or yeah some is... more drama? So Paul George's, I'm not sure if it was his wife, Mrs. George, his, uh, Mrs. George was his wife or his girlfriend or something. They have a but, kid, yeah. Um, and Damian Lillard's sister came out and called her a whore and stuff because she's a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> and then she responded back <laughs> saying like, "Someone come get this cow." <laughs> So Paul NBA. George talks all this shit, and then on his Insta story, he's like, "Hey guys, I had knee surgery and all these injuries. Like, you should respect like where I've came from." It's like you're playing victim card. What now? the fuck? <laughs> no. I've had injuries. Like, so it's like ninety five percent of like professional <laughs> athletes. Like, like you just got roasted. Just wear it. Yeah, move on. Oh, Paul George, good yeah. lord. Then, like to be friends with Carlos Correa. Yeah, fucking bitches. The NBA, where amazing happens. Um, all right, let's get into um, a couple things here. This is not really a topic. It's more of a statement. The Pelicans are dead. They're done. Yeah. ESPN's probably losing their mind. Oh, my God. They, you know, that's the only reason they did this playing tournament. Come on, Pelicans. Zion versus LeBron. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one. reason they did that. These guys start with 10 points. And <laughs> they probably, the league probably tried to, like, pay, like, one of the Clippers to like hurt Damian Lillard. I'm like, yeah, we can't have the Blazers making it. We need the Pelicans. Um, so the Pelicans are dead, and meanwhile the Grizzlies are kind of dying. Like the, the the loss of Jaron Jackson Jr. cannot be understated. I've compared him to Tim Duncan, which is insane. But I just think he has that type of mindset, and he can be that sort of player going forward. Was it an ACL meniscus? I think. Fuck. Does yeah. that mean he misses next year too? Probably. I think at least like eighty percent. That's of it, right? oh, that's what Porzingis got, right? I think he tore his ACL. Porzingis. Who was the meniscus recently? Was it Siege? Uh, frick. Um, Jonathan Isaac. Was Nurkic the mis- meniscus? Maybe. Clay. I thought it was just. I don't know. Actually. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know who it is. It's Wesley Matthews. Okay. Wesley Matthews. I'm pretty sure tore his oh, meniscus when he signed. Him. Yeah, but he's. he's yeah, it's good to see him on a good team again with the Bucks, though. Um, so, carrying on with this, uh, the bottom of the Western Conference, like we're looking at that. The Suns are six and zero. The Suns started so so far behind that people were like, "Why the fuck are the Suns coming to the bubble? Like this is stupid." And Devin Booker is averaging like I think he, like his last 5 games in the bowl he's had over 35 points he's averaging 35 something like he's he's 
I mean, today he pulls up from Logo. He is, we've always known he was an offensive assassin, but what's really cool about this to me is that this is for the first time, I think, the time I've seen um, Damien, or uh, Devin Booker not just be a good stats, bad team guy. Yeah. Is this like the first significant basketball that actually matters that he's playing right now? I think so. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on Booker? I mean, we have, yeah, Booker's going off, but I think he's finally using, he has DeAndre Ayton, who's averaging 18 and 11 this year. He looks good. Cameron Payne, out of nowhere, is just putting up yeah. numbers. <laughs> the <laughs> like, bubble. Who is this guy? <laughs> is this the bubble? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Johnny, so, oh, about, we'll, we'll tie this to Booker. Uh, Draymond was on, um, NBA on TNT this weekend. Phenomenal. He was, he, yeah, he was so good on it. I really actually like, he's funny and all that stuff too. But like when he was like pausing the plays, you know, and like breaking it down, it was really cool to see him uh, do that. And people like it, all the people who were com- like, not that many people were complaining, but I saw like on Twitter posts, like, oh, fuck Draymond, blah, 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 blah. Get used to it. This dude's going to be on TV. Even the people that like, I, I see like <laughs> hate Draymond were like, damn, like he's really good. Like, yeah. Like, which. He'll be great on TV. Um, and but he got fined fifty k for saying, "Get Booker the hell out of Phoenix." I don't know how that's tampering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, man, just had an opinion. It's yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I don't think the Warriors need a point guard or a shooting guard. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they have those good. positions <laughs> covered. They have an all right backcourt. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a stretch. It's okay. <laughs> um. So, I mean, w- my question to you guys, kind of, and to the listeners out there is, like, the Suns making the playoffs, like, that's kind of, it's going to be really tough. Just they're still behind, but, like, we'll see what happens. But the bigger question is, is, like, what we're seeing right now in Phoenix, does this kind of, like, do you like the situation they have building there in Phoenix all of a sudden? Do you like Booker's chant, like this team, or do you still think Booker might? Because I always thought like in two years or something, Booker was just going to go like get traded and be like the third piece on like kind of how Ray Allen went to the Celtics, something like that, a little younger. But well, what do we think about the Suns? I'll start with you, Johnny. I thought, similar to you, that Booker would end up in Minnesota with Towns and Delos because they're so close, kind of like a you just create a, the worst big, defensive team. Yeah, a of big all three kind of. Yeah, <laughs> it would. Um, but get Trey Young. <laughs> but the Timberwolves are such just like a train wreck. I mean, like it seems like the Suns are like better fit than them. Like just stay in Phoenix, I guess. Now, I mean, opposed to going to the Timberwolves. But 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 what do you think of like this young core in Phoenix? Well. Out of their their young guys, the only three people that like I really like like I like Aiton. Do you guys like Macal Bridges? I think mm-hmm. he's pretty solid, but they need another guy if they want to they be. They have legit um, fuck, what's his name? Um, Cam Johnson. Cam, Cam Johnson has been shooting the shit out of the ball, and he was he was taking like what twelve or thirteenth, and everyone was like, "What the fuck? Why are you taking this guy?" But I mean, he's shown again. It is the bubble, but he's shown consistent shooting, and you need that. You need yeah. that to win. So um, I like – I'm starting to be a little more optimistic about this core. Andrew, are you with Booker? Is he good stats, bad team? Or do you do you think he could be the best player on a championship team? I'll, go, I'll ask all three of you this. I'll start with Andrew, though. My gut's telling me no. He seems more of like a stats guy. But I would say no. I don't think he won a championship. Best I think he's guy. the second piece. Yeah. I agree. I agree. 
Um, which there's really like nothing wrong so with no that. So no one's They're, buying the Suns right now. I'm I like their future, but then I was about to say like I I like them going forward, and then I just thought about the West. Are you? And I was like, yeah. fuck, because so you know who, the Warriors weren't here. It's only been this. six games. We haven't watched them for three months, and they're just on like a. They just yeah, yeah. Week of well, and it's like also like if you think about it, like the Memphis Grizzlies are a young team. The Pelicans all with Zion are a young team. The West is just going to be incredibly exciting. And it's just so funny because it's like. The East has just been shit for 15 years. And it's like, you know what? We got Giannis now. We got Embiid. We have Simmons. We're going to turn this around. And it's like, okay, this here's this guy well, named Zion's Luka Doncic. Zion. <laughs> Nikola Jokic out of nowhere is just going to be a superstar. Love Jokic. Um, oh, Kawhi, LeBron, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Curry. Curry. Oh, yeah. Clay. Um, okay. Speaking of Luka, how do you like that transition? I don't even think we were speaking of Luca. He is like a created my player in 2K. It his, is ridiculous. His the way he closed out that game against Andrew's Bucks. I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> it was insane. He was just so in How control. Nineteen. He had thirty six. Fourteen in nineteen. Yeah. Jesus. Against that's the best team in basketball. And that freaking behind or between the legs pass he threw in just such a critical moment. Um, you know, he's been playing really good for the Mavs. Um, is Kleber Maxi Kleber? Yeah, like <laughs> what? Um, and then how's Porzingis uh, doing? Good, yeah, good. he's going good. I've seen a Zing. lot of um, a little more old school Porzingis of like, I'm gonna fucking try and dunk it, and that's what you need because he is a great shooter. But I he's like still half the player what he was for like those. Oh no, he's getting really close. He's getting really okay. close. Well, that's he's almost back. Yeah. Um. So I I like the the Mavs. It's tough. They're gonna be the seven seed, and they're, they're the Clippers the are Clippers, literally the yeah, worst yeah. matchup possible. So it sucks they, because I still if they were, it, it's gonna be a fun series. But if you had the map, if there were any other seed really besides playing the Clippers and Lakers in the first round, I think they could beat anyone. I think they could beat the Nuggets. They can't get the six seed right now. I away. don't believe so. Okay. Who um, is the six? Like the Blazers? Is it the Jazz? Jazz, Thunder, Rockets are all like yeah, pretty the, close. Those are all, and then the Nuggets are a bit ahead of them. And yeah. then, um, okay. Yeah, they're I mean three games out, but there's only like two games left or something. From that would be impossible, I think. According to my math. Um. Yeah. Um. So. On another um, <clears throat> guy who's playing fucking crazy is TJ Warren. Is he averaging like 36.1 points a game? It's yeah. ridiculous. He's he... like 2010 Carmelo Anthony right now. It's sick. <laughs> bubble TJ Warren. They is better, the bubble MVP they right better in my Warren? team next year for 2K have like a Hall of Fame like bubble. card, and it's bubble TJ Warren. <laughs> so he obviously starts out with that electric like 53-point game, or 51 Something or 53, like goes off. And then he in all their other games continues to play well, and then they're playing the Lakers, and TJ Warren fucking closes the door. Two minutes left. <laughs> it was crazy. It was just like, what is going on? Two minutes left. You're expecting LeBron to just wipe him out, and here comes Bubble TJ just pulling up threes, hitting overall. tough layups in the paint <laughs> on Anthony talking, Davis. Like, like, <laughs> and so he, tonight, so. You'll probably after this, like you listen to this podcast, unless you listen to it like immediately when it comes out. Shout out to those people. Um, TJ Warren and the Indiana Pacers are matching up against the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, who got into a 
fuck you off earlier in the season and what was it did they say meet me outside was there something like i mean they fucking hate each other they were talking shit i'm pretty sure they've been talking shit like jimmy butler called him like a bum in the post-game interview and was like going off i love jimmy butler so i'm excited for that game um so we'll if anything happens in that game we'll obviously cover that when it happens um let's talk about a couple more things before we look at the gambling odds and talk a little mlb the raptors are looming the Bucks are obviously like we talked about last time. They are the favorite. They're kind of declining though right now. There's, there's the Bucks. The, the like bu- some worries. The the, the Luca Mavs the game right to the Bucks just it it was really sobering to see that because it's like the, what have we said all year about the Bucks? It's like I don't know when it gets close game and it's slowed down. I don't know if they can really score down the stretch. But the thing is, in the regular season, they just beat the shit out of everyone. And then, so seeing that game against the Mavs, and I know it's a bubble game, and the Bucks have clinched the best record, but could you to have home field advantage? So, Luca closed the door on him. Luca dominated the end of that game, and I just really think the Bucks need another ball handler because I think I was a little too harsh on Chris Middleton. He is a great player, but he cannot like they need another playmaker. Chris Middleton is not really a playmaker at all. He's good, but he's not. He's a great shooter. He's not. He doesn't really create for others. Giannis obviously does, but Giannis goes against a brick wall. I mean, like, what do you, what do you, what should the Bucks fucking do? Like, this is Trade Bucks are probably. Good. I was about to say the same exact thing. <laughs> Get him out of Phoenix and Milwaukee. Bradley Beal. <laughs> yeah, good. Hey, so number two, like you said, Johnny and Andrew come up with the trade for how could the Bucks uh, get Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez? <laughs> they take all the contracts, <laughs> all the picks. <laughs> they have. <laughs> And you can have a, you can throw sign Giannis' son. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh I do boy. think that was a but good like, game for the Bucks, just to test it out. Yeah, they've been blowing teams out of mm-hmm. water. So and so, you would assume that they'll get a little better as they get more experiences like that. The other thing though that doesn't look good for the Bucks is the Mavs are surprisingly with Luka you wouldn't think this they're one of the worst teams if not the worst team in like one point games in two point games this year they are like one in seven and they did it against the, the Mavs or the Bucks the Mavs the Mavs are one in seven so yeah that was their one win <laughs> no they're now they're two and whatever but um so uh the Raptors I just think are looming is there anyone I'll open this up to you guys like w- let's look at the Eastern Conference like who is it Bucks? You guys like you like the Heat still? I like the, I heat. Like the heat. I don't know if the Heat can. Heat, heat Celtics, the, Raptors. The Celtics, I think, are the only. Oh fuck, Steve. What we're doing, like top, just just who's gonna win? Who's the biggest competition to the Bucks out of the Heat, Celtics, got, Raptors? Pacers have been playing nice, but I don't. They lost Sabonis. Is Oladipo come back? Oladipo's back. Yeah, he's, they just he's not the Sabonis, same though. But you're relying on Miles Turner shooting threes which is okay. also are soft we all agree <laughs> so, soft. so bad philly sucks i hate just hate simmons philly. is out Did you see and, the, and the, and the calves the ben simmons to oh calves, i saw that potentially wait what that the entire time they're playing that according that this source said that like the entire time since lebron right they've just been stockpiling assets to try and make a trade for ben simmons but like what assets do they have colin sexton and colin all of your picks <laughs> Why, why, wait, wait. I have so many questions about that. So, okay, so the, the 
the reason they want Simmons is because he's like kind of like a LeBron, and he's but he's also like represented by the same management as LeBron. Is that why they think Cleveland has a shot? But I just like to say that LeBron James fucking hates the management of Cleveland. Like, yeah, <laughs> like no. just need to try to put people in the stands. Even yeah, I mean, I agree real. that they should separate Simmons and Bead. And like you're saying, Stephen, I don't think they have a shot. You you can keep going though. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. They have had huge wins. They actually, I made a bunch of money because I picked them over the Clippers last night. I and they dude, I hit. So I just before we get to sports betting, Brooklyn this Nets. No shout KD, out to you no guys. So I was so pissed. I was actually texting like Josh yesterday, who's on the pod, and because I turn on the Brooklyn Nets Clippers game, and I looked at the the odds earlier in the day, but then I was just like, dude, there's no fucking way. And so then I turn on the game, and it starts or whatever. And the first thing they say is like, oh, yeah, this is the only back-to-back game the Clippers will play in the bubble. And it's like and like somebody wasn't playing, and I was just sitting there like – Gigi wasn't playing. And I was just like, oh, my God, I didn't hit plus 285. <laughs> I could have had got it at plus 285. And so, folks, that's how you can be a shark. You got to be on the lookout for those things. Steven, nice play right there as a shark. So, it's a shark. Who's your team in the East? Yeah, who's your team in the East uh, that will challenge the Bucks? Because it's everyone. We, we should say Bucks. Or, Bucks for two. I'm going Raptors. Okay, sure. Raptors. Bucks. Yeah. I am. I'm Who, the who's same. Who's gonna win? No, you, you don't have to. I won't, my feelings won't be hurt. No. Uh, I like Raptors. To be honest, I think it'll be. Okay, Clippers, my feelings Raptors. are a little hurt. I lied. I am. Um, I would just like to say I 100 percent agree with what okay, Stephen just said. I think really it'll be Clippers Raptors. The revenge of Whoa. Kawhi. Seriously. What is going on? <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Celtics though. I'm sticking with the Celtics out the but over everyone. Nobody likes the Bucks here. No, now? if I had to choose the Bucks, I'd <laughs> choose the Bucks. But like, challenge but the like Bucks. if it was Bucks versus the field, I would take the field every time. I just need Giannis. Sorry. Giannis. Giannis. <laughs> Giannis just needs to learn to close a game out, hit tough mid-range. Because yeah. his and the paint's not open at the end of games. They're making it so much harder on him because I don't think Giannis is necessarily a bad closer. It's just they have no other options. Yeah. So it's one versus three. Hmm. So it's, it's the paint. Yeah, it's just like it's not even like, yeah, he. I agree he needs to get a little better, but it's like a – I mean, it's hard to ask anyone to like – It's unreal. like kind of like – he has to kind of play like when, you know, like LeBron, when the Cavs had all the injuries and it's literally LeBron and all these bums. He has to do that. He has to kind of do that. And like, yeah, these they're a great team, in it, but in these big moments. Kind of should be able to because the East isn't that good. Yeah, but they just. <laughs> he should be able to, I think. But I just, I'm with the Raptors. I just think that the um, it's a perfect guy to throw at Giannis. In, um, well, Pascal I still love Siakam. Giannis, and I still love the Bucks, and they're still going to go to the championship. I mean, so. I would say I would go 50-50 Raptors-Bucks. I'd go 100% Bucks. All right, here we go. <laughs> let's go, Andrew. Let's get it. Um, cream let, City. Uh, <laughs> let's, cream down. City. That is such a tough, tough, tough thing. <laughs> Who who was there? Like, you He's know probably what? probably fired that guy. Guys, let's uh, name our, like, beige colored jerseys Cream <laughs> City. <laughs> oh, my God. Fuck. It's like um, a beer town. In the-, <laughs> the Lakers have no depth. And it's kind of that, that's a quick transition there. But there was a time, it was two days ago or something, the Lakers line up on the floor. It was J.R. Smith, Dion Waiters. Danny Green, Markeith Morris, mm. and Dwight Howard. It's not That's very good. That's bad. 
And like, yes, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. The rest of their team sucks. Kuzma is a chucker. And some nights he will put 27 up and some he'll put 11 and some he'll put 25 up, but take 30 shots. Um, they're going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. I think I the only team... Is it, the Nuggets really like the only team we think that could maybe challenge the Lakers? I don't even think so. I think the Lakers, but the Clippers, I think, can beat them and will. But is anyone before the Clippers going to mess with the Lakers? You think? Even, but their depth is so noticeably I, bad. But I don't think so. I think if Blazers make the playoffs, they will push LA to seven games. That's crazy. That's also the not the 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 Lakers don't have good guard def- Like that's. No. Like, if the Warriors had st- like this year, like if Steph and Clay were healthy, like that would be such a mismatch for the Lakers. And so, like the Blazers are like kind of like the but Steph. No and Clay. one can guard LeBron on the Blazers. That's the only issue. So you're gonna throw like that's that's tough. Who's guarding LeBron? Gary Trent. <laughs> Gary Trent. Um, Rough. Zach Collins. Break out mean, foul break so out much. No Harkless. Carmelo. Oh yeah, you get Carmelo on LeBron. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be, awesome. that would be lit. Um, yeah. Nurkic on Nurkic has just been playing. So I like well. the Nuggets are good. They're not not this year. Michael Porter Jr. If his development continues at the pace it's going, the Nuggets are going to be a real problem. Especially because well, obviously Jokic is a freaking beast, and um, Bull Bull. That's that's kind of exciting. Jamal Murray. Jamal it's exciting. So before we move on to MLB, I'm going to throw some updated gambling odds at you boys and uh, see what you guys think about it. So we're talking about the NBA. We're looking at futures here. Um, so we mentioned how, uh, Johnny, you like the Celtics, but you don't think they're going to win it all. But if you do think the Celtics are going to win it all right now, you can get that at plus 1,500. You could get the... Houston Rockets at plus 1,200. You could get the Clippers at plus 1,000. You could get the Lakers at plus 650. TJ Warren fans out there. You get the Indiana Pacers at plus 7,500. Miami. Is that 1,000? Miami at plus 35,000. 35,000? Yep. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, why not? For like $5. Portland at plus 2,500. Are the Bucks the favorite or the Lakers right now? Um, the Bucks are plus six hundred and the Lakers are plus six fifty. That's crazy. Um, Toronto is plus one thousand. So you have the Bucks, Lakers, and then Toronto has moved up to tie the Clippers basically at that third spot. So if you like Toronto, I think they're going to keep going up, and I think that the Clippers, I think in like a couple weeks, it'll probably be. Like the Clippers, Bucks, Lakers, and Raptors will all be within about two hundred to two hundred fifty points of each other. You know what I mean? Like yeah. plus yeah. five hundred through plus seven fifty, somewhere in that range. Um, if you're looking strictly at the Eastern Conference, Johnny, you mentioned you like the Celtics. They're at plus eight hundred to win the East. Um, Stephen, his Brooklyn Nets are at. Uh, there's no way they're at plus eight hundred to win the East. That doesn't look right. That's no. plus thirty thousand. There we go. Um, Thirty thousand. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee's at plus two twenty five, two twenty five to win the East. Toronto is at plus. 
I don't I don't know if that's accurate. Let me look at that. Toronto is at plus three fifty. Excuse me. Sorry guys. Um Western Conference, Denver plus a thousand, Lakers plus one forty, Clippers plus one seventy. And that's all I think that really matters. I mean the Bla what did I say with the Blazers? Portland, you could get them to win the Western Conference at plus twenty eight hundred. What's the Mavs? Mavs to win the West would be at plus twenty five hundred. It's not, not bad. horrible. It's not bad. Um, all right. Are you guys ready to talk some MLB? Let's yes. talk some baseball. Yeah. Let's talk some baseball. Um, so every show, I really t- I take hours and hours of my time, right, to write notes, copious notes. Wouldn't you say? You guys have seen it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so my notes for MLB, they're thorough. Hours and hours of research. My first note is LMAO at Cardinals. <laughs> the Cardinals have played five games. <laughs> They're two like, and three. I like they have a wild card spot. Two and three. <laughs> uh, so it appears everyone's fine. Hopefully, so the Cardinals. I, know, though, they, I think they got post. They, they have they, yeah, this week They have ten guys the who on Thursday got postponed again. That double. So header. like, when does it like? Is there a certain point where the like if the Cardinals keep not playing, where it's like? Okay, you guys are done. Like, like guys, what if they come back and they play ten more games and they go like to ten and three? <laughs> and it's like, well, look at our win percentage, bro. It's, bro, you played thirteen games in three months. <laughs> like, yeah. like, are they just gonna play double headers every day? I don't know because I really like, tr- don't. It's gonna have to go to like triple headers if this keeps going. Like, so, I think we talked last time about like essentially if you get above forty week, games, then so you like qualify. then you qualify and then they take win percentages, but. Uh, that's a serious problem. Um, on the other side, Marlins though, the Marlins, they get that, and now they're on fucking fire. Marlins? <laughs> Derek Jeter. Derek. Moneyball? <laughs> I sold this whole team back. off and we're He's winning? Like, <laughs> I got rid of Christian Yelich. <laughs> I got rid of Mike Stan. <laughs> Mike Stan, yeah, Mike Stan. Marcelo Zuna? Like, uh, fuck. JT um, Muto. So, yeah, the Marlins have been kind of cool. I mean, and especially with, like, this shortened season, Marlins are going to fuck around and make the playoffs. They don't even have to have that good of a record. Um, the big One of the biggest stories of the weekend in baseball, though, was that the best series, or at least I really enjoyed watching that A's-Astros series this weekend. Um, the A's are fucking good. Yes. They are so fucking good. And here's – I wanted, I thought about this the other day. It's a little off topic, but – so you know how, like, MLB the show. It's a great game. We like to play it, correct? I would love it. Love it. Great game. When you are creating a franchise in MLB the show, what, is, what are you thinking about? There's two things you're thinking about. Like, you're doing a fantasy draft here. So you're thinking about the uniforms and the stadium. The A's have the best uniforms in baseball. I think they're so fucking cool. I'm never the A's in Road to the Show or in that... You know why? Because their stadium Lord. fucking sucks. <laughs> the black hole, baby. <laughs> but they're on fire. So that was uh, a little off topic, but I felt like that. That's relevant, right? Don't, haven't you guys probably done that before? Like, oh, I can see like, the A's, I've but it's like, fuck, been I don't want to. A's because, like you said, I love the uniforms, but then their stadium. Their home games are just kind of like, like it, though, because it's like the foul territory. They just like get so unlucky in the playoffs. They either play the Yankees or the Astros. Yeah. There's just no chance. Um, so. Maybe this is the year they turn it around. Um, Dude, yes, fuck the, the Astros. They said, just, they said they were going to win the AL West, and I know it's a short season, but hell yeah. They hate they're going to win. Um, the Astros, just like, fuck the Astros. I think it's so funny. It's funny, but I like, I, I'm glad it's happening. It, it's but so I also funny, like being like, able to say fuck the Astros, you know? Like, I like having something to complain about. They're just such a different team, though, because, I mean, you know who the 
top two Cy Young candidates last year were Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, and not having those two, yeah, it, it plus does. everyone being scared that the fastballs could be thrown their morale. Their is what is the so low. the <laughs> Twitter awesome. account? There's this Twitter account that this basically just get it only posts. Only post like Astros striking out. Has an Astros been? Suspended? It's the 2020 <laughs> Astros shame tour. <laughs> uh, Altuve, I know he's been hitting like shit to start this year, and it was Springer hitting like shit too. Bregman, they all. I like Springer. He's like the only one I really like on that team. Um, I did because he hit lead off home runs, but now I don't trust the whole fuck. Yeah. Um, there was also this thing I saw. So Garrett <laughs> like Cole. One of my favorite player. It's kind of hurt my feelings. Garrett Cole was pitching this weekend, and this clip kind of went viral of him touching his uh, the lid of his cap, which yeah, most well. pitchers do. They have shit on there, and you assume it's pine tar. Because it's funny because you see him. He presses his fingers on it, and you see like the suction as he pulls it off. Like The hat kind of comes up a little. I don't care. That's what happens in baseball. I mean, Steven, Steven, Steven's a say? fucking college How baseball many people, player. Let's... Did, people, did you do that in college ever? Did people do... The pine tar. How about, the you don't, pine you tar don't have to be hat? Mike Fires right now. You don't have no, to no. use any names. Just, I never uh, use pine tar. There are you. some people who would have the catcher put it in their mitt, so every okay. time the ball got caught, it would be on, so they didn't have it on their hat. Do you, uh, you remember, like, my favorite thing ever is when you got your Molina when the ball stuck to his <laughs> chest protector and nothing happened from that. <laughs> Like that's kind of weird. Never get over that. Ball. So fine physics in front of everyone. We just laughed about it. It was like, oh, good old Yachty. Throughout your season, though, is there times where you're like sitting in the dugout because you're a starting pitcher? So you like some games are just like in the dugout. You're not hitting DH, right? No. Okay. God no. Uh, <laughs> do you wish you were hitting? Sometimes I would be like <laughs> sitting in the dugout. I'm like, Fuck gosh, out. damn it, give me pro? a bat. I hit a dinger. <laughs> are um, you pro universal DH? I so just being a baseball fan, I love the pitcher because of the strategy. But I think watching it, the DH is way better because you don't have to watch a guy bunt. I gotcha. But I love the strategy behind. Yeah, it, that's how I am. like. I see both. I like see both sides, and that's why I'm kind of like, let's just. The only problem is, it's like it's just the NL, like the free agent stuff. It's just, that just you can just con- roster construction. Yeah. Um. But I had another question for you, Stephen. Uh college baseball player of the pineapple couch yes. um as you're in those games in the dugout is there over the course of your career is there a bunch of times where you'd just be sitting there and you and your teammates would be like that fucking pitcher is using so much pine tar like you could tell like is there anything like that like you see it our biggest thing is like if we saw someone doing that we would just try to clown them get in their head just talk shit yeah and- you beat a couple people on purpose. <laughs> There's some people like get a hit and they're all like, "Yeah, let's go!" And you're like, "You're so gay." <laughs> so like next at bat, you're getting one inside. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the beauty. And of I baseball. will shit talk to you. That the is, whole this is probably a long shot. Was there any speculation in college baseball about you know someone? Having a camera in center field, buzzing some signs in. No. <laughs> Do you think there's so many technology at <laughs> the So I finished my career in D2, level? and we, there's no budget. We can barely scrape. We got, like, Subway sandwiches. <laughs> there's no way. Cans near, uh, I, I like this. Like this should be a reoccurring segment where we just ask Stephen, just like, so how many guys were using roids in the locker room? Yeah. How many guys are using roids, do you think? Junior college, they don't test. So that's, I'll leave that. One oh, for sure. <laughs> so, so the junior coach. Has, they don't well, test. That's why they all get. That, dude, that, that, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm not gonna name names. But like, so high school we went to, 
there would be people who like played football right four years and like they're like not very good and then they go to like Saddleback or whatever local community college and you look at like a year later and it's like Jesus fucking Christ this guy is bigger than like it's like four of the guy and so that makes sense that they don't do that then um all right, let's get back into baseball or into MLB baseball. I liked that tangent though. A's Astros, great series. Um, they pegged the dude three or four times in the series. You said, and then the hitting coach, of the Astros, talked shit. And I have no problem with the fight. I fucking liked it. I was like, sweet I, baseball. Yeah, I think it's, they should have just let nothing happen. The only people, but... I, the only thing I didn't like about it was the stupid people being like. Oh my God! During the pandemic, it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. We're playing look baseball. Look at the guy in first base and look at the guy. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> just make it. Any team that plays the Astros, make it like hockey. Just throw the gloves. Yeah, you go in the penalty box for three innings, yeah. and you're back out. Uh, the best, um, the best like tweet. A virtual boxing match or something. Yeah, the we best. Box. The... <laughs> Give them some nun, nun, we nunchuck thing. <laughs> The best tweet I saw this weekend was um, the tweet read in the aftermath of the A's Astros fight. Joe Kelly was suspended an additional (laughs) eight eight games. (laughs) Makes sense though. I mean, mean, it's so fucking crazy. Like, just like I mean, none of us think like Rob Manfred's smart or anyone thought that. But the idea that like for the rest of history, like our like we'll tell our kids, our friends, like, oh yeah, so the Astros got like really caught for cheating one year. And they didn't get in trouble at all. And, and then the next guy, got the, the guy got threw at him and got a billy, like a infinite amount more of a game suspended. <laughs> um, Andrew, I got some tough news for you. The Angels fucking suck. But Mike Trout hit a birthday bomb that Dude, was just a fucking a home run. fire rocket into the second. He's so fucking good. So but sad. again... Same song, same day. I mean, hey, and uh, shout out to a Mission Viejo high school graduate and Steven's former teammate, Patrick Sandoval, threw a pretty good game the other day. What, he had six innings pitched, yeah. gave up two runs, but no run support at all. And so it's just the Angels are just so, I just feel like they don't have good pitching, so you can't depend on it. And then when they get good pitching, they don't hit. It's just... And so free agent, we know the Angels are great at signing free agents. It's been 40 at-bats, but hey, I've like seen this before. Albert Pujols, Nothing Josh like Hamilton Anthony Rendo combo. hitting 103 through his first 40 at-bats in an Angel uniform. And everyone's telling me, <laughs> yeah. oh, this guy, 130 RBIs, 40 yeah. home See, runs. He's the best fucking thing. We knew it, though. We knew it. Burn, Even though you know? he looked good, it was like, hey, he's going to go to the Angels. He's not going to yeah. I've seen it so many times before. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's sad. Bullpen's so, atrocious. I can't name. They have like Hobie Milner, <laughs> Kenyon Middleton, is. kind of. Who's oh. their closer that comes out to like the Undertaker's theme song? <laughs> Which and one? Blows saves. They have three of them, Steven. I don't know. One thing about Robles. I thought, I thought it was <laughs> it's Robles. That's what it is. This weekend, I really noticed. Um, when we were talking about, we just mentioned Patrick Sandoval, but you think about the A's, you got Matt Chapman, the Rockies who are playing really well. That's Nolan Arenado. So many players, and I'm pretty sure that in the Astros-Angels series, a guy from Dana Point, uh, Dana Hills, closed out the, um, on the Astros, closed out the Angels. So just the amount of players from South Orange County is just... It's real. It's Cal fucking Hendrick incredible. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. Um, you both probably know this. Did... Arenado and Chapman play on the same team at El Toro. Yeah, I think Arenado was a senior and Chapman was sophomore or freshman. Where was our good friend of the podcast, Connor Kanzora, TJ Kanzora? Was he at that time? I think he was. Because uh, TJ yeah, went TJ on to Stra- there, he yeah. went with then he went to SDSU when Strasburg was there, correct? Yeah. I wouldn't know that. 
Because I'm okay. I'm just saying. Imagine obviously text. having um. I did Nolan. pitch against Nolan's brother Jonah. Was he good? He, he was. He was a big boy. <laughs> but uh, 0 for two with a K. There you, go. there you go. Um, oh wait, fuck. What was I gonna say? Um. Oh, just imagining a fucking baseball team that has uh Nolan, a high school baseball team with Nolan Arenado and Matt Chapman, and then. For those of you listening, this won't make as much sense, but in my mind, my friend's brother who pitched at El Toro was the greatest pitcher of all time, TJ Canzora. No yeah, he was like, <laughs> I thought he was... No hitter in high yeah, school. that team just that? sounds stacked, and that's yeah. just the the amount of good I mean, players. We haven't even talked, like, like you said, like Shane Bieber. I mean, oh, yeah, like holy fuck. Like pitching against right him, now. he's... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, I, I told can... you the story of, like, so I, I'd like... I've met that kid. Like, I've seen him at parties. Like, I've talked to him before. And I didn't follow baseball that well when I was in college. Like I took like a about two to three year hiatus, you could say. <laughs> um, and then I randomly turn on the All Star Game, and it's like the end of it, and it's like yeah. Shane Bieber wins All Star Game MVP, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, that? And I like I had like Shane I was Bieber? like, what the fuck? And I like looked it up because yeah. I he went to like UCSB, and I mean, yeah. I didn't know. Like obviously, it's so fucking hard to get it in. A, it, Shout out to that guy. That's fucking crazy. Playing ball at Laguna Hills Rec Center one day, and he shows up. I'm like, I remember this guy in high school. He was a pitcher. And then, yeah, he wins All-Star Game MVP. I'm like, Shane I literally Bieber. found that out two weeks ago when you told me. Yeah, I Andrew thought I was fucking with him. I thought it was lying. I was like, shut up, Brian. You don't know Shane Bieber. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I yeah, know. the guy who got 25 strikeouts in the first two starts. Okay. Um, like, yeah, yeah so that's him. a little details behind the couch. Um, behind the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Under the cushion. <laughs> Infinite couch puns for different segments. Um, okay, and talk uh, about my young prince. Yeah, so like, we'll go into that, but we'll start that with the NL West has been actually very competitive this year. Um, the Rockies are playing very, very well. Um, the Padres, Fernando Tatis, Andrew sent me a tweet the other night. I want him to pull up that stat. We'll, we're gonna we're gonna fully binge on Tatis in a second. But you have obviously three of those, and then you have the Dodgers. And the Giants aren't good, but they're pesky. They're around 500. They're beaten. They're taking games here and there. And in a small season, that's kind of annoying for the Dodgers, especially when they have the Rockies and Padres. Definitely will play spoiler for some teams. <clears throat> How fucking awesome would that be if the Dodgers came in third in the division? And then I woke up, Brian. It would be so nice. But this is the <laughs> best that, baseball scene, the Padres, and there's still three games yeah, out in third place. I was watching. It pisses me off. The, the Dodgers just beat the shit out of the Giants this weekend. And I'm going to say something really obvious, but holy fuck, Mookie Betts is so. He's the best player on the Dodgers. He's so cool. They have two MVP? Yeah. Isn't Mookie, two, I like I mean, Betts more than Bellinger. Yeah, Betts yeah. is. I think Betts is more complete. He's, Betts can do everything. And, and then Walker cool Bueller's like, what, 22, 24? Something like that. He's so good. Fuck. But Fuck that. But for like the Rockies, I don't think it's as a should be as surprising as we think because they made the playoffs like two of the last three years. Last year they sucked, but it's like they're they're good. They have some. And I mean, they Aaron Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, and of course they're in Colorado. Colorado, and then Herman Marquez is looking like a Those little guys. Cy Young candidate. Every year it's just their and pitching. then it's the bullpen and they're. Yeah. Colorado, but I like Daniel Murphy. I mean, He's an old it, they're going to be hit. exciting though, especially with the 16 game playoff. So like, we'll get to see some. That's going to be so fucking awesome. I can't wait. Um, let's talk about the Prince. Let's talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. He is the coolest player in baseball right now. I think I can say that pretty confidently. He is going yard to open up games. He's tied with Judge. He's now. dancing. 
Andrew, give me that stat you sent so me. This is through ninety nine career games. Yesterday was his hundredth, and just keep in mind he hit another home run yesterday. So I'm gonna read you a stat line and I want you to guess if this is Tatis, Trout, or Mickey Mantle. So through a hundred career games, fifteen home runs, hundred ten hits, a three hundred average, three fifty eight on base percentage, and a five hundred slugging, eight fifty five OPS. Mike Trout. Twenty six stolen bases. That's Mike Trout. I'm going on a whim here. Since we're on the topic, I'm going to go Tatis. That's Mike Trout. Oh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. It was a good little thing. You got me. Mickey Mantle threw 100 career games. I'm just going to say 100 now. Yeah. 13 home runs, 95 hits, 270 average, nine stolen bases. What a bum. Just kidding. Loser. <laughs> the young prince in San Diego. Doesn't, the coolest guy in MLB right now. there some Mickey Mantle stats before we get to, like, that are just fucking mind-blowing from his yes. career? Like, okay, just keep going. He though. allegedly, I think, has the longest home run, even though they don't have stat cast, but apparently he had, like, 565 feet. Wink, wink. I don't believe that at all, but... We have Reggie Jackson um, in the light tower <laughs> in Detroit. Yeah. Um, let's and then Tatis. Tatis threw 100 games, 30 home runs, 127 hits, 320 average, 384 on base percentage, and 1,000 002 OPS and 22 stolen bases. 30 home runs? He has 30 he's home runs through 100 beast. games. And he's 21. He would, he's oh 21. God. He's the prince. He's going to save San Diego. He's going to do what Phil couldn't do. I'm sorry, Brian, because Phil had to move. <laughs> He's going to save this city. I, like I didn't mean that as a though. shot. It just rolled off the tongue. Colts, uh, 2021. Uh, <laughs> the Brooklyn champions. Mets of football. Fuck. <laughs> 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 uh, so, I mean, Tatis is going to be the second best so player excited. in the league, best player in the league. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would. I mean, still got Trout, Betts, Yelich. Mm, but, I mean, he's he's showing that he's going right to be in, in that years. in that conversation. I know. And Machado and him seem to be a great fit together. The Padres finally are wearing cooler uniforms. They have a great park, as they've always had. I'm, I'm, I'm on the. They got some good uh, vibes. Some good vibes in that uh, dugout. You would say, some dancing, say some so. dancing vibes. So I'm, yeah. The Padres and the A's have been the two teams for me this year that I've enjoyed watching the most. I watch what I've decided this year for baseball is I am watching like. I guess some other games, but mainly my focus is every day. Or I want to, I want to see the California teams. I want to watch the A's, the Giants, the Angels, the Padres, and I will watch the Dodgers if they're playing one of those teams, <laughs> or if they're losing. I'll turn well, tonight. To that the Dodgers Padres play, so I guess. Oh, that'll I'll be have nice. to watch that. That'll be nice. That will be very nice. Um, Mike Stanton. Mike Stan, like five years I, I'm ago. I'm never going to call him his other name. I don't think I've ever called him by that. You haven't. It's I'm, Mike Stan. I've never heard Brian say Juan Carlo. <laughs> Juan Carlo? Jan. Jan Carlo, you know. Jonas. You know who I saw a highlight today of? Raul Abanez. <laughs> Sorry, that was just... 2011? Yeah, he had a home run a, for the Yankees in the playoffs legend. or something. Just um, have, like, so much tobacco yeah. in his mouth. Yeah, he literally looked like... um, He looks like a Popeye with his... I don't know. What does Jorge Posada do? Yeah, Posada. Wow. We're just thinking of, what was it, Bernie Jackson? Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams. Okay. Bernie Williams. Cubs. You got the Cubs playing very well. You got the Twins playing very well. Tigers being a little pesky. Tigers 8-5. A little pesky there. Watch out. They Tigers. haven't played the Cardinals, so that's why they're they haven't lost. Should I don't think, buy, yeah, I don't think anyone. Stock? Dude, Steven, should we buy that? The Tigers stock? have not lost to the Cardinals this year. They're undefeated. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that has any 
kind of elation. But back to back to back home runs the other day. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) So do you the the Tigers have any like young prospects you like? They have six in the top 100, so they're probably like three. Is Casey Mize coming up? If he doesn't pitch this year, I'd be pissed off. He's that's like how we feel about Joey Bart, right? Yeah. Or is... Joey, yeah, Joey Bart. How long has he been in the minor league? Dude, Buster Posey's not even fucking playing this year. <laughs> Joey Bart's like twenty-five. I feel like he's been you down and the there. Orioles are doing the same thing. So I hate long. Gabe Kapler. You're doing your thing with the catchers, and Maybe by the time game, they're twenty-nine thirty, they're, they're like, going to become first base. Where did Rutschman go? Catcher. Orioles. The Orioles. Oh, okay. Manager of the Giants has a small dick. Um, any other Kapler? Exactly. Did a great job with the Phillies. You can come home. Fuck. Um, Standouts, though. What what has been uh, – give me some players, some teams that stu- stood out you. Um, Didn't think the Astros were going to be this bad, honestly. And then we'll do uh, – after this, no. sorry. We'll give us the standouts, and then we'll do gambling odds to wrap it up. I still think the the Rays won the series against the Yankees. Still time to buy Rays stock. Rays are still really good. The Rays and the A's are like the same team to me. But that, that, do the, a- the A's use starting pitching, though? Yeah, Rays got some too. The Rays, but the Rays, smell. but the Rays don't they smell do that bullshit thing? They do the bullshit they thing. They do, and they do that stuff they more. So that's I hate the Rays for that reason. But and their stadium on. sucks. Uh, Tropicana, Tropicana, or the Coliseum. A, okay. Where do you want to play? I love orange juice. Why the fuck does Tropicana have such a <laughs> shitty stadium? That's just Apparently, like, like <laughs> it's literally like uh, what is it? It's hard uh, with hurricanes, right? It's um, it's uh, what is it called? Uh, defamation. Yeah, the Rays. Stadium is defamation of orange juice. <laughs> Tampa's so nice, and you just have. <laughs> They've horrible... had such a good team for ten years too. Like Dude, the Angels would kill for off that. topic, but Jesus Christ, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look like the most <laughs> savage filth. Like, oh my, I'm I'm not even scared because I kind of want him to do it and just be like, wow, he's so good. But I just that that I'm 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 buying all the hype and all more of it, and I I am I crazy? Not really, because yeah. I don't think the AFC's that. You got, I mean, the, you got, you the, got Chiefs, the Chiefs, the and Ravens. Ravens, the Colts. Oh yeah, the Colts. Because <laughs> I don't see what's so funny. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Bolo ties. They just got a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> Can't argue with that one. You can't. I still <laughs> think the Colts are going to go like I eleven and five. Okay. I think thirteen and three. Wow. Have a Frank Reich's. Amazing. 13 he is. Three. He I don't know guy. about that. They have one of the greatest <laughs> offensive minds in the history of football. Probably be like one could argue that. Phil Rivers. <laughs> I mean, he, you know he, gets, he gets to, to play Bill O'Brien twice. Here's, <laughs> here's what the Colts need to do. Frank Reich and Phil, they need to pick up the phone. And who are they going to call? Lorenzo Nail. Antonio. <laughs> oh, reliable. Let's get Gates in a good Colts jersey. Colts Shadow Joe Cinco. I have, a, I have this shirt that says Bolts. And I'm still a Charger fan. I'm just really upset that we chose to have Tyrod Taylor be the trainer of our new quarterback instead of Philip Rivers. But I have this shirt that says Bolts, and I think I'm going to put a piece of tape over the B for Colts games and put a C, and it'll be Colts. <laughs> I still think that – I kind of think the Chargers going to win 10 games this year. No. I think that the defense is good enough, I think the, I think I think the offensive quarterback Tyrod is – Tyrod does not turn Tyrod's all over, not. but he – Seven wins. I don't know, man. I think Joey Bosa's signing. They got some good vibes going there. Anthony Lynn's I totally thought he was gone. I think they're going to surprise you a little bit more than you think. But I'm an optimistic okay, here's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present you this scenario, which is probably going to happen. Let's yeah. say you're right. The Chargers somehow go like 10-6. and six What if the Chargers make... are better than the Colts this year? 
That's not gonna happen. Jesus Christ! What? Are... Do you not want that to happen as a Chargers? No, I don't. I hope the Colts no, are winning. Lions. Colts I want the Chargers. What's going on, dude? I hope the Colts win it all this year. Lions. Colts. Book it. <laughs> dude, I love Matthew Stafford. I love Matthew. Can we Stafford. make that a Thanksgiving game this year? Oh, like, oh, Phil versus Matthew awesome. Stafford. Dude, there's nothing wholesome. better. Nothing That's better. wholesome. What were you gonna say though? Present me your scenario, Brian. Oh, um, so let's say you're right. The the, the Chargers somehow go ten and fucking six. And I'm saying in this scenario, for this scenario, Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback. I will not root against Justin Herbert. I just don't think he is going to play this year, and I'm pretty confident about that. That's what I'm thinking. I'm okay I will not – I'm okay with it too, but I will – I'm not – all of this goes out the window for the most part. If they're playing Herbert and Herbert's playing well as rookie year and he is the playoffs, I'm rooting for the Chargers. If but the- if it's the 10-6 and six Colt, or Chargers playing the 13-3 and three Colts in the playoffs and I'm choosing between fucking Tyrod Taylor, Anthony Lynn, and Phillip Rivers, suck my dick, Anthony Lynn. Go Colts. <laughs> go Phil. The greatest human to ever walk this that planet. Like I'm never taking right him there. off the logo. <laughs> sounds like a Charger fan right there. I'm like Philip Rivers. Yeah. Just how many <laughs> kids <laughs> die hard? Kids does Philip have nine? Has he got? I think he has like, ten. We're, 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 we're starting a football team. <laughs> <laughs> Phil reached out to me. He's like Brian. I'm a huge listener of the Pineapple Couch. I cannot <laughs> flag. I need an assistant league. coach. <laughs> yeah, and so me and Phil, we're uh, gonna start our flag team. No, we're actually joining the Rock in the XFL. Oh, team right. Rivers. Team Rivers. <laughs> and so it's Phil and all his kids play, and then I'm like the coach slash assistant coach because Phil should be really the head coach of any football team at this point. Um, okay, Philip Rivers side rant. That's going to piss some people off. That's why I did it. Um, man, Philip Rivers. What a guy. I love him. What a guy. You know who's Philip Rivers? <laughs> you know, if you put Philip Rivers on a basketball court, he'd beat the shit out of LeBron. <laughs> I, <would. laughs> I think he would. He would. 21 out. What is that audio clip of him throwing a touchdown on Yannick and Gawkway and he's oh, the whole time. Awesome. <laughs> 90 <laughs> yard touchdown. Stop talking. Stop talking. No. I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> oh my God. Who doesn't like I'm to see not, that? I'm not being um, this. Yeah. I wasn't not serious about any of that. I believe everything I just say with 100%, but I believe this more. Phil's 6'5", and I'm not saying he's an NBA, but I bet you Phil could get like a... a, Jesus Christ, (laughs) I can't. No, I bet you'd have a mean hook shot. Phil's 6'5", he's nice touch, a mean hook shot, like Kareem. Okay, really, the the heir to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Philip Rivers. (laughs) Have you ever seen Phil take a hook shot? It's one of those things you can just, just tell. You yeah. <laughs> would have, you would have such an unorthodox yeah, exactly. shot. It'd be sweet. Like. It's It'd like maybe like, like yo, no, no, like Sean Phil's Marion. and Kevin Martin. <laughs> Kevin Martin. <laughs> Remember that guy's free? That yeah, jump yeah. Shot? Oh man, well, good times today on the pineapple couch, folks. You, if you're a Philip Rivers fan out there, you know you're in the right place. Uh, I'm gonna give you some MOB um, World Series odds. Give me uh, teams you guys like. I and... like. I'm right now. I'm deciding between. I'm still gonna say the Rays and Dodgers. Okay, so I can get even the, though I want to the Dodgers right are now, at plus. I think the Rays are annoying. I'm gonna go f- based on Bavada. Dodgers are plus four hundred. Tampa Bay plus fifteen hundred. Oakland plus sixteen hundred. Yankees plus four hundred. Minnesota plus nine hundred. Houston plus eleven hundred. Cle- like Cleveland plus two thousand. I would like to double down on Houston. Okay, all in. Chips. You still, you're nothing about the pitching scares you. Atlanta plus thirteen hundred, 
Cubs plus 1,500. White Sox plus 2,200. What's Detroit? Plus 20,000. There's some value. Just put five dollars, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make a good investment? Yeah. Yelich. Has Yelich gotten off to a pretty shitty start this year? Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. You think he was using? I, I don't uh, think the Brewers are going to make the play. I don't think they're very good. They have no pitching. The yeah, Cardinals it's... will still find a way because the Cardinals, and they'll somehow figure a way to play those games and stick pine tar and Yachty's. I hate the protector. Yankees, but the Yankees are loaded. I, I the teams can't. I'm most afraid of in the American League are the Yankees, A's, Angels, and, and the Angels who have the second or third. So I really think like you got this three man race in the AL. You got the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the Detroit Tigers, Baltimore. No, <laughs> they're seven and seven. Alex Verdugo and the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I, what I, happened to Boston? They're t- <laughs> they didn't re-sign Mookie Betts. <laughs> they're a what the they're fuck? One in they're a mess, but they're like, also the done. team that has four championships. Yeah, in the past they'll figure years. it out. But like, I don't. So get... Boston, my heart fucking bleeds for you yeah. guys. Just have like you guys seen? And... Have you guys seen my guy Andrew Benintendi? He's not playing well. I think he's he's like the worst player in the league right fantasy. now. He's like three for fifty. I didn't even know he was. Playing. Well, he concerned. was like really good like two years ago. Yeah, right? he's a top really prospect. Good. Did he get a big contract and pull a Jacoby Ellsbury? Not yet. Nah, he's he won't even get to become Jacoby Ellsbury at this point. I think Jacoby Ellsbury is everyone's dream. <laughs> Just get paid a Kobe fuck Ellsbury ton and never play again. <laughs> Great Who's that guy on the Mets? Jonas Cespedes. No, no, no. no. Oh, gosh. Uh, Jason Bay. Who's the guy that's still getting paid by David. Bobby, oh, Bobby oh, Benilla? Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Benilla Day was like two oh, weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Smartest contract yeah, it's ever. The best. That is the best contract ever, followed by the dudes who owned been... that St. Louis basketball team. And they were like, yeah, NBA, you can – Make us stop doing this. Just give us one percent of all your TV revenue, and then be like, huh, "We don't even have a TV deal yet." <laughs> that worked out well. <laughs> Albert just ripped the Angels off ten I've been, years. Like writing letters to Artie Marino, just trying to just Bobby Bonilla that shit for the next seventy years. And Vernon Wells, yeah, Vernon Wells, Pablo Sandoval, Josh. Remember when they signed Josh Hamilton for two years and then traded him for and then nothing he's and paid them the in last the seventy-six million dollars on this contract? <laughs> Jesus. Didn't I? Moves, making moves. Johnny Damon signed a pretty bad deal with the Yankees, right? Yeah. I feel like he it's such a savage awesome move. With the of, Red Sox and the yeah, that, that's I, I find that funny when you're really good with the Red Sox and then you just like it's that's totally why the Yankees. Money. The Pablo Sandoval thing to me was the funniest thing of all time because it was like, hey, it was great for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you he was gonna be fat. <laughs> yeah. We loved him for what phone. he was. <laughs> you see him come out of the bubble. He did. He is huge. Oh, oh yeah. Big I saw that boy. picture like. <laughs> He is a meaty boy. <laughs> Just the same thing every year. Oh. It's like, Pablo gained 50 pounds, has to lose it before the first pitch. <laughs> All right. Um, never loses it. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, everybody give your World Series winner. I'll put you on the spot right now. I'll start. I'm going to go with the A's. Astros. Tampa Bay Race. I hate to say this, but Dodgers. Fuck. God damn it, Steven. Really I different, appreciate different the, takes. I appreciate Joe it, Kelly. honesty. Steven. <laughs> Strictly because of Just Joe, Joe Kelly. Kelly. Uh, that'd be good. Uh, Steven, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to see you. We'll, we'll have to get you on more, get you in some trivia. I think that, that would be good. Um, Big Dog John, always a pleasure. Uh, stay tuned because we're going to be talking about the Battle of Midway with my dad. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. The historian. <laughs> the historian. Let's go. All right, this is the Pineapple Couch. We'll be right back.
All right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. We're going back into our naval battle segment from last week, and as we said, we're going to be talking about the Battle of Midway, maybe the most important naval battle in American history, maybe the most important naval battle of the last 300-ish years, you could say. We'll talk about all that and more. Um, I got my dad here. Jeff Robbins, history fan. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, excited to be talking about this. We watched the movie Midway this week, and it was exceptional. I, I mean, this isn't really a hyperbole. It was one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was super good. Great cast. I'm a huge Woody Harrelson guy. Um, and Nick Jonas was surprisingly good in this. Dennis Quaid. And we'll get to some of the other guys. But um, as always with these segments, we want to just, we're going to go at it from the battle perspective and so we're going to set the scene for you in the beginning and why don't we get into that and enough of my rambling the floor is yours dad okay so the battle of midway is takes place in june of 1942 and it's important that you understand the situation at the time the japanese have attacked pearl harbor in december of 1941 and freaked out the United States. So, for example, there were blackouts in Los Angeles and San Diego and and San Francisco, so at night all the lights would go out because they thought the Japanese were going to come bomb them. If you have ever driven from uh, L.A. to San Francisco on the 101 and you're driving through the Santa Barbara area, uh, north of Santa Barbara, there's you drive past this little oil refinery it's not even a refinery it's a couple of oil derricks but the japanese actually bombed that in 1942 there's a little memorial to it and a submarine off the coast of santa barbara damn bombed it if you ever get a chance to see the john belushi movie 1942 it takes place in the hysteria following pearl harbor okay so the japanese strategy was to um, secure their oil supplies in the Dutch East, Ind- East Indies, which they had done along with Pearl Harbor. It was a multi-pronged attack, and the Japanese rampaged through Southeast Asia, secured the Dutch East Indies, and set up an island perimeter to defend them the Western Pacific from the United States. Mm-hmm. That was going to be their security perimeter so their I, home islands of Japan weren't vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And what happened was Pearl Harbor was perfectly executed except for one thing. The carriers that were the target of the attack were not in harbor. They were out to sea. And so, even though there was catastrophic damage at Pearl Harbor... The USS Arizona. Yeah, which was a battleship. Mm -hmm. And the carriers, though, were Mm -hmm. the target and the most important... So we got really lucky there. ...part of it. It was really lucky that they were not at sea. So, in April of 1942, Jimmy Doolittle, and they go through this in the movie, um, in an insane attack... He, get, he puts a bunch of bombers on an aircraft carrier run by Bull Halsey, Dennis Quaid in the movie, and they go about 650 miles east of Japan. Let's let's set that up, too, with um, 
the idea of getting a bomber off the aircraft carrier, ev- carrier, everyone was in the conditions they were in. They didn't think they were going to be able to do it. Right? Yeah, the bombers are heavier. They need longer runways. They're not designed to launch from ships. So it was a total just sort of rig it together and mm-hmm. make something happen. And Which is the theme of this battle, really. It's almost. really the theme <clears throat> of the American military in World War II, where they individual officers exercise their discretion and initiative to make decisions that change the scope of the battles as opposed to being tied down to doctrine that didn't allow you to have flexibility, which in many ways is what happened to the Japanese from a larger perspective. And that's why the U.S. military force is so dominant. So, like, it's something almost like the world has never seen. There's obviously been others, but the the ability to have those individuals making decisions, we were talking about this yesterday, you said that that distinguishes the U.S. Army, correct? Yeah, and that goes back a long way to it's kind of the unmanageable element of the wild American that, you know, isn't going to listen to orders and follow rules. They're going, there's some flexibility there. I mean, it goes back to the revolution where the officers would have to explain to the soldiers what they were planning because the soldiers wouldn't go along if Mm -hmm. they didn't know the deal. So that's kind of off topic, but anyway, so Jimmy Doolittle wants, and Chester Nimitz, they Mm -hmm. want to, for both home morale and for to to punch the Japanese in the mouth. Yeah, it's not, to, to, we haven't really hit him at all. We want to know Nobody's that we're not going to let him take it. Nobody has hit him. They've you, rampaged They've through. awoke what, Dad? Well, as Yamamoto would say, they've awoken a sleeping giant, mm-hmm. which was true. I mean, you have to remember prior to World War II, the United States had nothing like the standing army that it has today. So they had to ramp it up from almost nothing. It had been completely disassembled in the aftermath of World War One. So anyway, so the Japanese plan now is to, they get hit by this raid by Jimmy Doolittle where a bunch of American bombers drop bombs on Tokyo, mm-hmm. which freaks out the Japanese the same way Pearl Harbor freaked out the Americans. Mm-hmm. And the character in Midway who... Uh is Jimmy Doolittle is I don't know his name but he's Two Face Eckhart yeah Eckhart, yeah Two Two Face in the Dark Knight he's been in a bunch of yeah. good movies mm-hmm. he was in that Battle Los Angeles oh yeah he was good in that he was he's a good actor but anyway and he does a good job of playing Jimmy Doolittle but think how crazy the plan is mm-hmm. there's no way they can return to the aircraft carrier they, they don't, don't have, have enough any, gas they yeah. don't have enough fuel. So their plan is to get as close as they can, launch, drop bombs over Tokyo, and keep flying west until they hopefully get to China, where they can ditch their planes and hope to align with the Chinese guys that are fighting Japan at the time. Mm-hmm. And it works. It, it, just think <laughs> about that, though. Like, literally, you're going on a mission, and it's like, yeah, we don't have enough gas, so we're abandoning our airplanes at some point. Like, that's a given. And that's crazy. They all know it, too. Yeah. And they all, it's brave. one of the crazy things about the movie is you look back and you think, all these guys are 20, 22 mm-hmm. years old doing the. I mean, Jimmy Doolittle wasn't, but the the younger, the pilots, these guys were kids doing making these kinds of decisions. And. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Japan, because they just got bombs dropped on them, says we have to follow up the attack on Pearl Harbor by taking out the American carriers, 
while we have the advantage. The American industrial response has not ramped up yet. The Japanese still have more. A huge advantage. A, a huge advantage. So their plan is to um, invade the island of Midway. And why do they want to invade the island of Midway? Midway is located several hundred miles to the northeast of Hawaii and made Hawaii extremely vulnerable to attack and invasion. And if they were able to knock out the carriers and essentially render Hawaii defenseless, there was nothing really stopping them. From L.A., San Francisco, Seattle. Well, from number one, from occupying Hawaii. Okay, they, They could have turned Pearl Harbor into a Japanese naval base mm-hmm. and then used that to force the American naval presence back what you know east toward the west coast of the United mm-hmm. States which is what everyone thought what you know oh my gosh this is what's going to happen we're going to get invaded I mean it was crazy that's why at the time internally the American people locked up all the Japanese people in internment camps because they're freaking everyone out everyone was freaking out i mean that's when that happened so it's it, it should help people understand the sort of mindset that the average person was in at the time pearl harbor shocked people it was 911 for that generation it killed about 3000 people in that one attack and it I mean, in some ways, you go, okay, well, they attacked a military target as opposed to on 9-11 when they blow up buildings. But in some ways, that's scarier because they're taking on the United States military directly. They're not, they're not hitting, like, going around somebody it's else not terrorism. sneaking through the it's back It's traditional door. military attack. Mm-hmm. So, and it just sounds like it kind of broke the American, like, not, not the American psyche, but just, like, the relative, kind of like the bubble that a lot of people are in America. It was like, oh, fuck. It like, pissed people off. Mm-hmm. It really enraged the American people. I mean, the war in the Pacific, as compared to the war against Germany, not the Eastern Front, but the the Western areas where the Brits and the U.S. fought the Nazis, the war in the Pacific was a war to the death. There was no surrendering. There was torture. There was... It was... Bad. It was a, a war of racial annihilation on both sides, yeah. especially on the Japanese side, because they had this whole Bushido code that made surrender literally like the single most shameful thing a person could do. And so that's who was fighting. So mm-hmm. when you're fighting on an island in the Pacific, there's no rear area. Like at the Battle of the Bulge, when they're fighting the Nazis, if you if you were able to survive that and you got R&R to take a break for a week, they sent you to Paris. There's nowhere to go in the Pacific except maybe on your ship mm-hmm. because it's it's all a war zone and it's there's no cities out there with hotels and, yeah, and what's, women. And, what's maybe like the most terrifying thing about like I'm just trying to put myself in that time is just the the ideologies of the Western world, America, and then just the, the vast differences between um, America and, and Japan and their culture. Like, obviously, this is obvious. Like, it was so foreign, but it was. Like, it was just completely, it just type they, they of fighting style. their emperor as a god. Yeah, just, we had never really gone against something, someone, some something like that. Not 
in a way where they had the ability to challenge us the way the Japanese did. Mm -hmm. The Japanese, you have to remember, you know, a hundred years before that, there were no Westerners coming into Japan. They industrialized and modernized their military at a rate no one had ever seen. There was a huge concept on, you know, up prior to World War II that, you know, they were these inferior people in the Asia. This was the colonial European mindset yeah. until they defeated Russia in 1905. And that kind and of like, them yeah, on the we're, map. We're bad at we're People bad had to respect them. I mean, they yeah. were a serious power. And they had been at war with China since 1937. And that was I mean, a slaughter unlike anything we went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, they killed mi millions and millions of Chinese civilians. Am I stupid for, like, as a, like, if I were back then, it seemed like the Japanese were way bigger of a threat to America than Hitler was. Like, how the fuck was Hitler going to cross the Pacific? That or, I mean, the Atlantic. Although, look, the Japanese were never a threat to invade and occupy the United States. The United they States were is too, too big. big. And everyone's armed. What would they? No one, no, no country could way. do it. Japan, Germany, right. whatever, name it. They, well, the only too... thing they could theoretically have done would be to blockade us with yeah. their navy. Which is a lot because you have to do that it's, in the entire West Coast, the entire East Coast, and the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. I mean, they could even just shut down the West Coast and own the Pacific. There was, like, if you look at the war games that the Japanese and the Americans engaged in separately prior to, to world war uh two the the americans engaged in this thing called operation orange i think is what it was called and it was very controversial later because this guy for the americans basically pulled off the attack on pearl harbor the exact same way the japanese the japanese actually used it mm -hmm. as the template for their plan but in his plan he didn't stop at Pearl Harbor. He went down and blew the shit out of the Panama Canal and isolated the entire Atlantic fleet of the... If you wanted to get from New York to San Francisco, you were going around the Cape if you were in a ship. Mm -hmm. Why the Japanese didn't do that, I'll never understand. Wait, so Operation Orange was just like a, a theory? It was a war game. They were practicing. Oh, okay. And in this... And they... You know, look, people weren't surprised when we went to war with Japan... They were surprised by Pearl Harbor, but the conflict between the United States and Japan was one that many people saw coming for a long time. Because that had a lot to do with the oil. And yeah, it, it had to do. the United States controlled most of the, like, was it 75% of what the oil supply in J Japan was? Well, the United States was Japan's biggest provider of oil. At the time, the United States was the largest producer of oil in the world. Mm -hmm. But and it, the source that they captured militarily was the Dutch East Indies owned by the Dutch, okay. which has massive oil reserves down by, I think it's Bahrain now okay. is what it's, what it is. I think I could be wrong. Brunei, I think is what it is. Anyway, there's a bunch of oil down there. That's, that was why the okay. Japanese wanted to secure that because Japan itself has no natural resources. It's just an island. Done. Thin soil. It can't even feed itself, really. Mm -hmm. It's an entirely import-driven economy. It has to import yeah. large quantities of necessities. So this is what the Japanese had done. And so getting we kind of went off on a big strategy talk, but getting back to Midway, yeah. um, because they had been hit by Doolittle, 
they decided that they had to force the Americans to the negotiating table. There was never a thought in Japan that they would invade and occupy the United States. Well, because <laughs> they know they, know they couldn't do it. Okay. And going back to your question about Hitler, okay, at least the Japanese had a navy. The Germans didn't even have a navy that could cross the English Channel. Yeah, so the idea the that Hitler Ocean. was going to cross the Atlantic Ocean and invade the United States. They didn't have any aircraft carriers. What, what were they going to do? How yeah. were they going to get it across? Yeah. I mean, it was absurd. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, people, that's the comment. If it wasn't for us, you'd be speaking German now or whatever. That's ridiculous. There were, that was never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, so the Japanese figure they have to force the, force the Americans to make a deal because they have them over a barrel. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, the yeah. plan is to go to Midway and use it as a threat to Hawaii and force the Americans to the bargaining table, right? And in the movie, they go through the fact that the United States had broken the Japanese code, or at least portions of it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool because they show how... Um, so the people who were cracking the code, they actually brought them in from San Diego, and they were a part of the band, in the military and so they used um their musical knowledge and skill rhythms, the rhythms and the stuff. the notes yeah. in the code to help decipher it and it, that's just fucking incredible it's amazing so what they did was they baited the japanese the the they wanted proof that what these guys were saying was correct and that mm -hmm. the japanese were going to midway and so the they, this, the intelligence guys believed that the symbol AF meant midway. And so what they did was they sent out a cable for the Japanese to intercept. Like they wanted them to intercept it. Mm -hmm. And it said, hey, like the water pumps are out on Midway Island. We need you to send some on the next run from Pearl. Okay. And then a, few, a day, I don't know exactly how long later, but they heard the Japanese response, which was to make certain... Their response to, the, uh, to, to they, their own Their forces. communications yeah. after that indicated that they issued an order saying to make sure that they brought a water filtration system to Midway. Because if they were going to take it over. the water pumps were out on the island, right? So, so that's how... Genius. Yeah. So that's how they figured out that not only had they broken the code but they were correct mm -hmm. you know what i mean they got validation which is amazing it's fucking crazy it's crazy it's, that what um what's that actor's name do we know well He's first of all what's the everything. name of the code breaker layton layton okay yeah he was um i mean that dude this is another side tangent if you think about what that dude accomplished and obviously had help from other people but so he was feeling super guilty because he had warned the predecessor to Nimitz, Nimitz, who's played by Woody Harrelson. We didn't mention that. Um, he kind of warned him about Pearl Harbor. Said, hey, we don't know. We're kind of losing. He didn't kind of warn him about Pearl Harbor. He didn't say, hey, this is when it's coming. But he said, we've lost track of the Japanese fleets. We don't know. And the other guy ignored him. Pearl Harbor comes. Nimitz is sent out and chosen by the president. Well, and the guy who was running it before got scapegoated. Like, oh, this is the guy that left us with our pants down, blah, yeah, yeah. blah, 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 which is totally unfair because that war game I told you about, Agent whatever, Operation Orange or whatever mm -hmm. it was called, that happened in like 1931. So that was like 15 years before they, or 10 years before they, ha 
They mm-hmm. got caught with their pants down. This but is, Leighton was the one saying, hey, our pants yeah, are down. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting because there was – you don't hear about it so much now. But it, a lot of people believed that Roosevelt intentionally left our pants down because he wanted to get us into the war. But there was no popular support for ending or entering World War II. But he knew that if the Japanese attacked us, we would declare war. Mm-hmm. Declare war on them. I mean, it's kind of what Lincoln did to the South. That's at Fort a, Sumter. on a joking note. That's literally what the people who type Bush did nine eleven. That's their thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's at least there's some evidence for for. I mean, from a policy basis, you can easily make the case that we forced the Japanese hands by putting massive um, tariffs on oil. We mm-hmm. cut off their oil. Yeah, okay? and and we knew. That what their response would be mm-hmm. if we cut off their oil. Now, does that mean that they're justified in attacking us because we cut off their oil? I don't know. Probably not, no. But we certainly knew that that was going to be their response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, and so... Okay, so... Let's, so, yeah, let's keep going. So the Americans know the Japanese are coming, like a month before. And the Japanese in the aftermath think that they have sunk the carrier Yorktown at the Mm -hmm. Battle of the Coral Sea. So they think there are at most two carriers available to the Americans, and their hope and expectation is that they're in Pearl Harbor Mm -hmm. because all of the Japanese war plans are for them to invade Midway, and then when the American carriers come out from Pearl to take on the Japanese and respond that they pounce on them. They'll have the airport at Midway. And then they bring the they can bring United in States their to the land forces. Table. And then, yeah, threaten Hawaii and hopefully force the United States to make a deal that mm-hmm. gives Japan control over the areas of East, you know, the Western Pacific, the Philippines, mm-hmm. Guam, all the areas that they had attacked in the late 1941, early 1942. Okay. Okay, so so the Japanese, this is where you get back to flexibility. Mm-hmm. Like the, we saw the scene in the movie where they do the, their own war games. And the guy doing it for Japan does exactly what, the, what Nimitz does and does to the Japanese fleet exactly what Nimitz later does. Mm-hmm. But the Japanese response isn't to incorporate those incidents into their planning it's to change the rules of the war game and make the fleet come from Pearl. Yeah. Like they were hoping and expecting. But that's ridiculously dumb when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so what happens is the United States uh, sends two carriers, the Enterprise and the Hornet, uh, northeast of Midway. And in the meantime, Yorktown... Yorktown is in Pearl. It, you know, the Japanese think it's sunk. It's it, fucked up. It's it's massively messed up. Like it's shocking if you look at the actual pictures online of what the Yorktown looked like when it got back. I mean, there's like I can't believe it got back. There's massive holes in it. Yeah, it's, so it's they crazy. Said at quickest, it'd be two weeks to repair. They wanted to send it to Seattle, haul it out of the water, and basically rebuild it and take six months. Oh, then they said, no, we can do it in like two weeks if we have to in an emergency. And Nimitz said, no, you got seventy two hours. And they did it. There's 1,400 people just worked around the I clock. don't understand how they could have done it, but they did it. So 
the Yorktown goes out to meet the other two carriers in this area northeast of Midway. And it, we, I really want to mention because they do, they highlight this in the movie, the morale of the U.S. troops when they see the Yorktown come out there, they're fucking pumped up. They're like, let's fucking go. And we haven't mentioned this yet because we haven't gotten to the MVP of the movie, Dick Best, but the American soldiers during this time, while they were kind of waiting for. Um, waiting for Midway in between Pearl Harbor and Midway, they want to fight. One of the biggest mistakes the Japanese made was their assumption that Americans were soft. They really thought, they thought the Americans were soft. They didn't want to, they wouldn't put up with a long, prolonged battle or large numbers of dead people. And they thought that we would, that's why they thought they could force us to the bargaining table. They They really did. They were wrong. Yamamoto went to Harvard had spent time as an attache in Washington, D.C., had traveled around the United States. He knew what that's what the sleeping giant line mm-hmm. in the aftermath of Pearl Harbor when Yamamoto realizes they didn't take out the carriers. So, yeah, it was the, the thought processes at the high levels of the Japanese military were dumb. Mm-hmm. And one last interruption as we keep getting into it, I think that we should mention this was they did a good job good job of showing this in the movie was that the japanese navy and military the army do, and army the navy. do not fucking like each other do not work well together they're kind of these own separate things and kind of like this like that's not as weird as you'd think and let me tell you why okay okay in europe in world war 2 like there was no marine corps the marine corps did not fight hitler okay the the Marine Corps is essentially the Navy's army, mm-hmm. right? The Marine Corps is part of the Navy. So in Europe, it was the army and the Air Force who fought Hitler. The bombs over Germany, that kind of thing, was the United States Air Force. And the you know Battle of the Bulge, Patton, Eisenhower, all those guys, those was the United States Army. Okay. In the Pacific, it was the Navy. Okay. And you had Nimitz running the Navy from Pearl, and down in Australia, you had Douglas MacArthur. And those two guys are the guys behind the island hopping campaign that ultimately ended in Tokyo Bay with the Japanese surrender. Now, MacArthur is far more famous. Um, in my opinion, Chester Nimitz is maybe the most underrated guy in World War II. He was brilliant. He well, he... Was, everyone loved him. If you live in California... There's the Nimitz Freeway in the Bay Area. There's Nimitz Boulevard in San Diego by the harbor. Chester Nimitz was a real, real hero. Mm -hmm. And not just that, but like a great guy. I mean, everyone liked him. Mm Kind of like Eisenhower in that sense. I thought they did a good job of showing that in the movie. One with casting Woody. That's just a that's a great usually plays a guy. He's got a creepy sort of Yeah, but they had him play this. He did a really good um, job. They had... Oh, fuck. Oh, it was when um, Dennis Quaid's character has shingles and is, like, looking really, Bull like... Bull Halsey. Bull Halsey. And Nimitz comes in and says, dude, you're going to the fucking hospital. That's an order. And it's not... I just thought that that doesn't make... I thought that was a good way of showing how he is... He was a very good dude. He was obviously a great military leader, and he was strict, but he was a good, good dude. But think about the decision. They kind of didn't stress... They took the commander of those aircraft carriers out of the game like right before the biggest 
battle. And the guy they replaced him with, Raymond Spruance, did a great job. But he was like a destroyer guy. He wasn't even a carrier. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Carson went or Nick Foles coming into the Super Bowl. You know, for a sports reference. Yeah, except it would be like it would be like Mike Trout coming into the Super Bowl because he didn't even do the same ships. So yeah. it was the the doctrine. Think how complicated. Yeah. It is. Okay. In the so th- when it comes to aircraft carriers, you got the old way was you had a bunch of ships with giant guns on them and you tried to get close to the other ships and blow the shit out of them, right? That was the old way. Aircraft carriers made it so the Battle of the Coral Sea being the first one, the ships largely didn't even see each other. They didn't largely, they didn't see mm-hmm. each other. They were hundreds of miles apart. Yeah, it was all fun in the air. So instead of these ships being used to run in somewhere and blow stuff up they were all protecting the carriers so you have the carriers at the center and there's a giant ring of battleships destroyers cruisers all these other navy ships that surround the carriers because it's all about protecting the carriers Mm -hmm. because the aircraft on the carriers are your punch that's how you throw punches is with the planes on those it's not the big gun on the boat Mm -hmm. that's not the plan okay so at this point in time you know you have the carriers waiting for the japanese the japanese are coming in toward midway and we know where they're coming from and at what time with incredible precision not exactly five minutes five degrees and and we know it but you can only say we knew it afterwards yeah yeah because they didn't know they knew they were that was their best guess Mm -hmm. they could have been completely wrong Thank God they weren't. Thank God they weren't. Okay. So um, the Japanese launch their attack on the island of Midway. Mm -hmm. And it's important to keep in mind that the weapons that the aircraft use are different based on the target. So if they're going to invade an island and try to bomb, you know, guns and runways and fuel depots, they're using a certain kind of weapon. If they're trying to blow up ships, they use a different kind of weapon, torpedoes and the bombs that will penetrate the ships. So it's it's a different set of equipment. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they carry both. It's yeah, one. And it takes about 45 minutes to it change can, all the equipment. Can. Yeah. Okay. So the first wave of planes goes into Japan. I mean, goes into Midway from the Japanese carriers. At the same time, the hodgepodge, the United States has seen that they're coming on radar and um the hodgepodge of aircraft that the united states has cobbled together to put on um, midway launches at the carriers these are older aircraft some of them obsolete many of them not really designed for this kind of fight but they send them out Mm -hmm. and while they're going toward the carriers the japanese hit the islands and they drop a bunch of bombs and blow up fuel depots and all this stuff. But the most important thing to remember from that is they don't finish off the, the, uh, the attack. Mm-hmm. They, they still want to run another wave of attacks at the, the island before they send in troops to mm-hmm. occupy. And then before they switch their planes to then to be things to attack the battleships and aircraft carriers, correct? Well, hold on. So while that's happening, the first wave of aircraft from... The United States. Midway gets to the Japanese ships 
and a fight ensues and the Americans just get slaughtered. And isn't it just like a hodgepodge of yeah, ships? Yeah, we just said yeah. of of, uh, of planes, planes. Like yeah, that torpedo are bombers, other aircraft, older. old aircraft, just whatever they had. The Japanese had a clear advantage in their in terms of their uh, planes, right? Yeah, the yeah. zero outperformed every aircraft the United States had until later in the war. Mm-hmm. The industrial might of the United States had not begun to roar yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was they were obviously in the process of converting. We're six months after Pearl, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the war, they're cranking out re- so much war material, it's unimaginable, but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So the Japanese completely destroy this set of aircraft, and their aircraft from the island are returning, telling Nagumo, the Japanese commander, that they need another run at the island. So the plan for Nagumo is he's going to keep the uh, land attack weapons on the planes and send another run back at Midway Island. Well, while this is happening in the in the process of those planes landing and refueling, they get hit with a wave of air torpedo bombers from an aircraft carrier. And the they I don't know exactly how, but they can tell if the plane is coming from a land-based system or mm-hmm. a ship. I guess they're different. Yeah. I mean, they know. So Nagumo's now like, "Holy shit." These planes came from a carrier. There's a fucking carrier. There's carriers here. They're not in Pearl Harbor. And that's the biggest oh shit moment that's of this entire moment. battle. The entire plan of the Japanese is to catch the American carriers coming from Pearl. And they, our boy Layton. Our boy Layton knew, it, knew it and let us go out there and, and set it up. So now Nagumo has a dilemma. What does he do? Does he... Go for the second, does he go for the second attack on Midway Island? Or does he now change the way? Because when he came back, it's not like they can just put gas in and go back, right? Even if they're attacking with the same weapons. Mm-hmm. They still have to put them on, yeah. right? So they, in, after they had pretty much been completed putting on the weapons to go back and attack Wake Island, Nagumo changes the order and says no change the weapons and make them for ships and that so they got to take off all those weapons he's just wasting time plus there's fuel everywhere the japanese uh decks were made of wood um it's the safety measures that they were taking were not up to par so what happens is they're another wave disorganized wave of american torpedo bombers and weird aircraft arrive and so it what it does is it prevents nagumo from launching his attack it's because they got to have the zeros fight them and they're going to need the zeros for the fighter escort which means the zeros are going to have to get fueled up too and they're spending all their time fighting off these haphazard waves of disorganized fighters, which wouldn't have been the United States like plan. Like their plan wasn't let's send a bunch of disorganized aircraft and make them think that, you know, that's all we got and they'll do this and then we'll come in with the good ones. No, it was we're throwing everything we can at them however we can. Mm-hmm. And so what because ha- of the giant advantage the Japanese right. had. The other consequence of these weird aircraft at the time, a lot of the doctrine believed that the way for aircraft to attack ships was with torpedoes. 
not dive bombers. That was a big controversy at the time. So you had the torpedo bombers and you had dive bombers. And there were people who believed in one or the other. Like Dick Best was a big dive bomber guy. And then there's the dude that was in Glee that was the torpedo bomber guy. Torpedo bomber guy. It became very clear on within a few minutes on June 4th, 1942, that the torpedo bomber was a disaster. Yeah. Because they... Got crushed the side of the ship, and they their torpedoes sucked, and it was not they good. Missed. So, but the other thing that it did is it brought the Japanese zeros down low because the torpedo planes have to get low to launch the torpedo, and when the zeros come down to blow them up when they're down low, <clears> they're not at twenty thousand feet waiting for the next wave of American fighters, which now arrives with good old. Dick Best. Dick fucking Best. And Wade McCluskey and the whole group that's in the movie. Okay, and I want to quickly butt in here um, because I don't know, I don't think this will come naturally, though. So as all this is happening, some people are bailing out of their planes and the Japanese actually get um, Nick Jonas's character. I forget his uh, actual historical name. Well, I don't think even they know for sure true, that happened. How would they know? I know, but it's still cool, so I won't tell it anyway. And if you, so if you didn't see the movie, um, he he's on a raft or whatever, and then so and a Japanese ship pulls up and takes two of the U.S. Navy guys into custody, and um, they're trying to get information out of them, and Nick Jonas's character, they have him in uh, chains and stuff, and they're asking him for the information, and he asks for a cigarette, and they light it and put it in his mouth, and then he tells them to fuck themselves, and then he's killed. Um, and it's very sad. So they throw him into the ocean, and he's tied to an anchor. But the, I thought that was a cool way to represent just the kind of the mindset of a lot of those Americans. They were kids, first of all. And they... It, I don't know. I just thought that that's... There's that, another movie called Flags of Our Fathers that Clint Eastwood directed that's about Iwo Jima. I read that book. Is that there's a book called Flags of Our Fathers? Yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah, well, it it's about the Battle of Iwo Jima, mm-hmm. and it does look the Japanese. There's a reason they executed tons of them for war crimes after the uh, war. I mean, they did horrific things to U.S. soldiers, but they did things to the Chinese that you can't imagine. So, and it's it was they were in many they were they. They were like the Nazis. They the way they treated people was yeah. Well, so think about um, we talked about uh, Doolittle, right? Yeah. Who um, he lands in China or whatever, and they help him escape. So the the, the Japanese killed two hundred fifty estimated two hundred fifty thousand Chinese Chinese. Yeah, and for that's aiding. A f- that's a fraction of what they ultimately killed in China. They'd been at war in China since 1937. There's an incident called the Rape of Nanking that you can read about, and there's documentaries on it and stuff, and it's what the Japanese did in the city of Nanking when they captured it. And it's one of the most horrific things, you know, putting bayonets in pregnant women, smashing babies' Shit. heads against walls, torture, burning people alive. I mean, everything you could possibly think of. They were sadistic. They were their POW camps in Southeast Asia were nightmares. This is, you know, they were they were as bad as anything. I don't know if they were. They didn't have gas chambers. They really like either just killed, tortured, and killed you, or enslaved you. 
and used your labor until they killed you. Jesus. Okay, let's get back to the battle. Okay, so Dick Best has shown up, Mm -hmm. and the Japanese Zeros are down low, and Wade McCluskey and all of them. And here's another example of American initiative. They were supposed to break up and go after two separate carriers, but there was a mix-up, and they all ended up going after one of them, um, which they went at and missed. Mm -hmm. And then Dick Best's group peeled off from it because they realized they were all going after one carrier and Dick Best landed a bomb right in the middle of one of the Japanese aircraft carriers. And I mean, they're 500 pound bombs that penetrate the decks, go down into the interior of the ship and explode. And that explodes all the ammunition, the fuel, just, and we were just mentioning how that they were refueling all their planes at the time on the carrier. So all those, um, bombs and stuff are just out there. It's just like a, it's ready to catch on fire. And so I believe that initial dive by uh, Dick Bestman, they take out three of the four aircraft carriers, correct? They take out three in this initial attack. His group, along with McCluskey, collectively take out three of the Japanese four aircraft carriers, and including we, the flagship. And we didn't even mention how his oxygen... This happened in the space of like 10 minutes. Yeah, his oxygen mask, too, wasn't working. Well, he never flew again after this Because of the, was the poison? He spent four years in the hospital after the war fighting tuberculosis and a bunch of other diseases that he caught because he had some bad air tank up there. But he ultimately recovered. Mm-hmm. He died in 2001, Dick Best, he in Santa a, Monica. Live a good, happy Worked life. for the Rand Corporation in connection with, guess what, fighter aircraft mm-hmm. his whole career. Mm. What a hero. Oh. Well, let's, talk about, okay. let's talk about him more. So they go back to their aircraft carrier after taking out three of the four, and the Japanese say, well, there's three of our four down. You got to respect the Japanese a little bit. Three of their four aircraft carriers are down and they go, well, we're going to launch from the one we got left. Yeah. No, they were, they were fucking around. (laughs) And they hit the Yorktown with three, I think, big bombs. And the Yorktown's already the one that was messed up from the Mm -hmm. battle of the Coral Sea. And, but the response from the United States is to launch another attack, including Dick Best. And they come back over the last remaining Japanese aircraft carrier. The Japanese have nowhere near the protection they used to have. There's only one of these four aircraft carriers left for pilots to land on. And Dick Best drops another one on this aircraft carrier and sinks it too. And he's the only person in United States history or maybe in world history to sink two aircraft carriers? They said in the the end of the Was it one of two? I don't know who the other guy is. It's fucking impressive. That's, that's it's like pretty impressive. It's like one of those um it's like one of those Wilt Chamberlain sized only guy to score eighty points and have forty five rebounds. Yeah. It's like it's how like, many people get a chance to drop two bombs on an aircraft carrier? Very rare. Yeah. But he did it twice, which is while he was fucking throwing up blood, wheezing, but he was such like a good thing that we saw about him is what a motivator he became because he, he was very new to leadership in this battle because he was kind of always the wise ass who wasn't in charge really. He was still like very good, but he wasn't the one there's um, a, there's given a, orders. There's if you look at military history, it is very very common for there to be 
peacetime generals and wartime generals. Mm-hmm. And what you see over and over again is you'll have World War One. this happens, World War Two. this happens. It's a civil war in the United States that happens over and over again is the guys who are in charge at the time war breaks out aren't necessarily the guys you want in charge once the war breaks out. And it takes a while for them. Like Nimitz is an example of a guy. I mean, the United, it took a while for them to get Eisenhower in charge. Mm -hmm. Lincoln went through McClellan. You know, the British went and French went through tons of generals in World War I. So combat weeds out. Yeah. You talk about survival of the fittest. That's I mean, if you're in a stage. real military fight where you think you could lose, right? Like, what happens if we lose in Afghanistan? Whatever that means. Are the Afghans going to occupy and drop nukes on New York? No. Oh, no. Okay. The consequences of losing oh, yeah, yeah. I see in World saying. War II were different than anything any American generation has gone through since. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought the Koreans or the Vietnamese or, or the, the Iraqis... Or were, I mean, the Russians, they thought close. you might vaporize us with nuclear weapons. It's a Red Dawn movie. But, it, yeah, this the idea of it, 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 people were freaked out. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's essentially the end of the Battle of Midway. I mean, they lost all four of their carriers. They went from Turn on, the a, tides of the on war. a 20-game winning streak with looking invincible to on the defensive for the remainder of the war. Because the United States industrial might just ramped up. The Japanese couldn't come close to keeping up. Yeah. And they just got pushed further and further back until they dropped two nukes on them. And then finally they surrendered to Douglas MacArthur in Tokyo Bay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, another sports analogy for all the folks out there. Like last year in the NFL, the Patriots, I believe, started 11-0. and And then as soon as the cracks were exposed, it just all fell loose and powers like the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Niners just descended. How do you like that? Nice. Um, <laughs> what's the, what else you got though? We're wrapping it up like so. So the what's effect the of it, what's but, the outcome mm-hmm. and the aftermath of this? Well, you're living in the outcome and aftermath of this. This is the post World War II era, the era of Pax Americana, American peace. That yeah, there was the Cold War going on, but for the most part. The aftermath of World War II, the political configurations put in place at that time, are the ones that have been in place ever since. And I think, you know, more broadly, I think a lot of the turmoil that we're going through these days, not with coronavirus or anything like that, but politically and geopolitically, is the collapse of the post-World War II sort of status quo. Or you're having new players, for example, China exert themselves and the old, you know, the need to defend Europe from a Russian invasion by the Red Army is just not not realistic. The names have changed. We are basically energy independent. Why does the United States need a massive military footprint in the Persian Gulf? And if you look today, the United States has fewer military troops abroad that it, than at any time since, I think, 1920. Sure. So we have dramatically peeled back our on-the-ground presence in a lot of these places. And a lot of that is because those troops were there 
to deal with situations that no longer exist. Mm-hmm. The Red Army is not going to storm through Poland and invade Germany. Mm-hmm. They don't have tanks that could do it. Yeah. Um, so Midway was that kind of seminal event that mm-hmm. changed everything for a very long time. And so in, in, in the Pacific, it's still largely the status quo. The Japanese are now an ally. The Japanese are the only entity over there with a blue water navy that can do anything. The Chinese still are boxed in by all the islands that surround them, even though they're trying to break out a little bit. You still have the, you know, Philippines as largely a U.S.-based ally in that region. Much of what you're seeing now with China is a realignment of the old World War II alliance, with Japan on our side and China on the other yes, side, slow, slow, but the players it. are yeah. are the same. So Midway was, you know, there's a reason we brought up Trafalgar and um, Actium and Midway because those were events that set the status quo for decades and decades afterwards. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't hear us last week, uh, you can go check that podcast episode out where we talked about. Uh, Actium and um, Trafalgar, those naval battles. Um, and yeah, as we're wrapping it up, I just kind of want to say, like, God bless the troops. Like, that movie, um, just the the courage, not to sound cheesy, but just the, I mean, the fucking balls of the Dude, American troops. Most it's of unbelievable, those... and we're so lucky to live in a country where there's people like that. So shout out to Stefan Stanky. Yeah, yes. and let's think about the guys... Like, Dick Best, one thing, with the dive bomb, hero, blah, blah, blah. But the guys who went out in the torpedo bombers that knew. They knew? They had to know that there's no way they're coming back. It's incredible. It's And they wiped out entire squadrons of, of U.S. planes, where, like, literally not one plane came back. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about, mainly on this podcast, we talk about sports and stuff, and we're always talking about, like, the, the heart some player showed, the courage, blah, blah, blah. All of that's child's play compared to what we're talking about and what those young men did, and it's it's incredible. Not to sound savvy, but it's it's in, it's incredible, and we're so lucky that we're able to sit here and do this podcast because, because of, of guys it, like Dick Best, Dick Best, and um, all the others that we saw in that movie. And, um, so, if you haven't seen Midway yet, hopefully this will convince you because. It's it's fascinating. It's a great movie, and if you have seen Midway, I hope you enjoyed um, listening to this. Um, Dad, do you have anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I'd encourage your listeners to learn more about the war in the Pacific. The Nazis kind of get all the attention, but if you ask me, the war in the Pacific was way more brutal. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, this has been episode thirty-five. Wow, thirty-five of the Pineapple Couch. Uh, basketball playoffs are about to start happening baseball's in full swing sports are back nfl is going to be coming back i'm losing my mind about the fact that we might not get college football but that's a topic for another day Uh, this is b-rob thank you dad Um, thanks for listening to the pineapple couch we'll see you guys next time